and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, welcome to the Women's Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank. Glad to be here with you. If you're wondering what happened to last week's episode, we were going to record with Brother Benjamin, and uh, he just was exhausted from everything that went on. We did a short little live program, but we decided to reschedule the show he was going to do. There was a lot of information, and he didn't want to be miss out on being able to share it all with you. So look forward to that coming very soon. Um, but... Folks, I just want to share with you, tonight's program is going to be serious. And it's serious because there's so much fear, and I'm calling it ungodly fear. Folks, the Lord does not call us to fear. He calls us to peace. And tonight we're going to talk about what it means to be in the eye of the storm, and what does it mean to be prepared in a little bit, I'm going to bring on a very special guest, my father, onto this show to share some things that he has gleaned through his years of not only following the Lord, but also understanding the markets, understanding the, um, what it means to be prepared, preparation, all that stuff. And hopefully at the end of this show, confidence in your God will be what reigns supreme in your heart. Let's pray. Father... In the name above every name, Yeshua Jesus, I ask that you would bless this show. Lord, to be a light tonight in the midst of darkness. That, Lord, as the enemy tries to bring crippling fear, we will remember that the Lord reigns sovereign and supreme, not only in the universe and in this world, but in our hearts. Lord, thank you. I pray for the words to say. I pray that Dad would have the words to say as he comes on the show tonight. That, Lord, people would know that God is with us. And that when he said, I promise to never leave thee nor forsake thee, that he meant it, that his words are true, and we can stand in confidence on them. Because we ask it in the powerful name, Jesus. Amen. You know, in, 19, in 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as ever he did in his whole life. Because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his every need, even in the midst of knowing that he was going to be killed. What enables someone to live like that? Why is it that some people just never get their feathers ruffled? You see, right now, 
there are so many people that are afraid everything's being canceled. My daughter's schools, private Christian schools being canceled. Uh, every work, colleges, university, people are freaking out. They don't know what to do. They're worried about it. Even though I'm in a place where there's no known cases that people are losing their mind in fear. And here was a man who was condemned to be burned at the stake. And the night before, he goes to bed to sleep and rest and peace, knowing that his God was in control. And I want to share with you a scripture as we're getting into the show tonight. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, it goes like this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. As reading that scripture right there, verse 15 just jumps out. Listen to what it says again. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. You look at that and you're wondering, does that mean that I'm supposed to allow God's peace to rule over me? That's exactly what it means. You see, as one author said, safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. But in order to allow something, folks, to rule in our hearts, we must be willing to relinquish control. If you truly want God's peace, you must let go of the reins and turn everything over to God. Because it's not that you're just to have peace, but peace is to rule over. You see, in the eye of the storm, God is still, as that song said, in control. When it's all falling apart, the Lord is still there. And it brings me to that story in Mark chapter 4. Starting in verse 35, you remember it. And the same day when, even, when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And when, and when he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow... And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, God was in the ship with them. But even though Jesus was right there, even though he was in there, they, as soon as the storm came, they got their eyes off of the Lord who was there with them. Even though they knew that Jesus had a mission on this earth, he had told them what he was going to do. As soon as something came up, they lost sight. And Jesus gets up and he tells the storm to be still. And he asks them, why 
Are you so afraid? Where's your faith? You see, folks, if God doesn't allow us to get into the storm, he will never have an opportunity to say, peace, be still in your life. You see, so often we're afraid to get into the storm because it's in the storm that God gets to speak peace. See, the problem is not getting peace. I've come to a conclusion of that. Because the Lord says, my peace I have given unto thee. And so the true problem is, is who's in control of your life? Is Jesus piloting the ship of you? The reason we don't get peace is because God is so often not in control of our lives. If he were, we would receive his peace. You know, and Isaiah says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You see, so often, folks, we keep asking God for peace. When the truth is, we need to ask him to help us receive it. The Lord has promised you peace. And if right now you are fearful and afraid, that is not from God. And folks, what is happening now is the tip of the iceberg. There will be something else. There will be something different. There will be a continuance in this world. Folks, God is not calling us to for fear right now. The truth is, this is nothing but a warm-up. We need to be prepared by being fully and wholly surrendered in Jesus. Well, a part of this show tonight in a big section is about preparedness. In the midst of the storm, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to bring on tonight my favorite guest of all time on the Remnant Call, and that is my father. And so, Dad, are you here with us tonight? I am. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Thanks, Dad. I'm glad you're here. And, folks, I just want to say I feel so blessed to have an earthly father who loves our heavenly father and who is my best male friend on this earth. And, Dad, I love you, and thank you so much for coming on. I love you, son. It's a privilege to be on the program with you all tonight. And uh, I also am honored to have a son like you. Uh, God has blessed me very much in that. And I would like to say something before we get into preparedness that has to do with what you were just talking about. You know, I've witnessed myself. Uh, I'm 66 now. And I'm not real old, but I'm I'm pushing towards getting old. <laughs> and um, I've witnessed people before very, very, very unsettled about their physical or their or the, the situation. Their I mean their health or their physical or their financial situation. Very unsettled and very fearful. And you were talking about this a minute ago. I'd like to say this. You know the word dynamic and the word static. Dynamic means moving and changing, and static means sitting still. A lot of people in their faith would feel good if things would just hold still and not move. But the deeper we get into a relationship with God, the more dynamic our life and our relationship with him and the people around us becomes. You know, most people meet Jesus through another person. 
Now, I don't know if you've thought about that before, but if you do think about it, I think you'll come to the same conclusion. Most people meet Jesus through another person. Now, why is that? The best I can understand, it's because the Lord has designed us to be a web of relationships. And in the middle of those relationships is where he wants to be with us. But I say it this way because I believe that it tells the story. The Lord has a path through life for each one of us. That path is a way that he can bless us, and it's, it also includes ways that he can use us to bless other people, you know, this interconnectivity of relationships. And if we will throw our trust in, in him, put our trust in and and let go of trying to be static, keeping our lives the status quo, but allow him to make us dynamic, that path will take us through some valleys probably, because sometimes that is what best serves us at the time. It's what it can be as a witness to someone else. Through some mountaintops, because we need those too, and we can witness to others on the mountaintops, but if we follow him and allow him to lead us on the path he chooses, it will guarantee take us exactly where we would want to be if we could look ahead and see. I agree, Dad. Uh, and, and, Dad, you know, I was thinking earlier with all this fear, and, and, and Dad, you know, I'm, I'm hitting it head on here with – running an IT company and, and everybody wants to shut down, work remotely. It's, it's mass panic. It's uncalled for. And, and dad, the, the hard struggle is fighting against even allowing what you know is a lot of this is, is media induced fear uh, uh, following the mass crowd when you know that that's not of God and keeping that level balance. And, and next week, folks, I'm going to be sleeping, me and my friends, through the week, at night, at the homeless shelter, taking care of the homeless. And even though you hear the ports, the homeless are the most susceptible. Folks, I'm not going to let fear control me of what I do. I want to share that with you folks because it doesn't matter if you're serving the Lord, if you are safe in Jesus, and God calls you to do something, you can have confidence that you can go and do it. And you're right, Dad. It's that dynamic relationship of uncomfortableness that allows us to grow truly into those difficult situations. And so, folks, um, I want to keep encouraging you as Dad shares tonight uh, what's going on here in this world and the truth about the coronavirus, that you will have peace knowing that even though you feel like you don't understand what tomorrow might bring, even though you feel like you don't know what the next day might bring, that God is with you and he will not leave you through this time. And so, Dad, um, tonight as you begin to share on this show, and, and I think the first place I'd like to start, Dad, is what is the truth about the coronavirus? Now, folks, let me just say this. My father uh, is an investor He's also had an insurance agency, but Dad, you have were have been a PA um, for many years of your life, so you understand the medical world. Share with us, Dad, the truth. What is the coronavirus, and what is going on right now? I'll start in by giving you a little bit of 
a little bit of uh, information about the coronavirus. And uh, I'll tell you where this comes from. Uh, the information that I'm going to give you in a minute uh, is really a synopsis that was provided by uh, a healthcare professional, the Shenzhen Hospital in Guangdong Province, China. Very intimately involved currently with the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, the coronavirus is a virus that has a physical structure that's in a circle, corona, circle. And there's many, many strains of coronaviruses. This is just one of them. But uh, <clears throat> it is, uh, it's very interesting, as you have said, the response that people have to this. Um, I'm going to hit a, a few elements right now, and then we can chat for a moment about it. First of all, uh, the coronavirus is very contagious. And you've probably heard several of these things in the news. Every year in the United States, we have about 40,000 to 70,000 people who die just of the regular flu. Uh, and like the regular flu, the hardest hit people uh, with the coronavirus are the elderly and people who have very poor immune systems. Uh, the coronavirus is really like another, just like another virus, another flu. The only thing is, it's very, very contagious. And being so contagious, it means that it's very easy to spread. If you hear in the news and hear people talk about the word vectors, a vector is a way that it can be spread. So let me run down some of the things that will address virus. If you have a runny nose and you have some sputum saliva being produced, uh, you probably just have a common cold. The coronavirus uh, pneumonia is, it has a dry cough and it usually doesn't have a runny nose. <clears throat> the, uh, the virus is not very heat resistant and it can be killed by a temperature as low, I mean, just as high as say 78 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. It does not exist in the sun hardly at all. It just dies very, very quickly. Uh, if a person sneezes and they have the coronavirus, it takes about 10 feet before the moisture droplets in their breath fall off to the ground, no longer airborne then. If those droplets drop on a metal surface, they can live for up to about 12 hours. Uh, if they come into con and, and that's because metal so commonly, unless it's in the sun or in a heated room, metal usually will cool things down, and the virus likes a, a cool environment, not a hot environment. So if you come in contact with a metal, metal surface, you really ought to wash your hands just as, as quick as you could. And if you have a good uh, lather of soap, that's, that's very, very helpful because the, the, uh, any strong soap, uh, you know, any good hand soap, certainly any bacterial soap will kill it. If it's on a fabric, a piece of fabric, it can survive uh, usually about 6 to 12 hours. Laundry detergent, regular laundry detergent, kills it very well. Uh, warm drinking water is also effective for the virus. In other words, if you gargle with hot water, that's hotter than the temperatures that I just talked about, 78, 80 degrees, it can be very, very good to knock out lots of viruses, not just the coronavirus. But, you, but if you think you may be sick and you think you may have the virus, don't drink ice water because it's very logical. It's very simple. That kind of gives an environment the virus is going to 
uh, live longer, period. Uh, wash your hands frequently. Uh, the virus can only live on your hands for like five to ten minutes. Of course, a lot can happen. You can rub your eyes, uh, pick your nose, other things. <laughs> and so you you want to uh, wash your hands frequently. Um, and gargling is not a bad idea. A good, again, good uh, warm, I mean, a good hot water with salt in it is great to gargle with. can really help to knock this out if you think you're, think you're, you're, you're experiencing it. Can't emphasize enough, though, no matter what virus you have, you want to drink plenty of water. Now, your symptoms, if you have the coronavirus, uh, <clears throat> first of all, um, it will usually, before anything else, infect your throat. You'll have a sore throat. And this usually lasts three to four days. <clears throat> then uh, it's going to sort of blend with your, your nasal fluids, and uh, and it'll get more into the trachea, you know, the, the tube that leads down to your lungs. And this is where it, it's in a position where it can cause pneumonia. This takes about an additional five to six days after you're, you first begin with any of these symptoms. So you're up now to about a week, week and a half. Now, if you have pneumonia, high fever and difficult breathing is what you'll experience a lot of times. And, and pneumonia is what you want to stay away from as much as possible. Uh, if you're getting into pneumonia, you need to see a physician. Uh, nasal congestion is, uh, an, if you have that, it's not the normal kind. It usually feels so stuffed like you're just, you know, like you're drowning. You just can't breathe through your sinuses. If you get to that point, I mean, again, you need to go see a doctor. And uh, the... The coronavirus is not stronger necessarily than our viruses we see floating around every year. Again, it's because it's so contagious. That's one of the biggest problems. Um, you, you, you might be interested. To, yeah, you're probably seeing a lot of pictures of people in the news and whatnot uh, uh, wearing masks walking down the street. Have you seen that, Frank? Yeah, Dad, I have. Okay. You know what the World Health Organization says? They say only wear a mask if, you, if you're ill with the coronavirus, which is called COVID-19, C-O-V-I-D-19. But only wear it if, you're, if you have the coronavirus, uh, especially if you're coughing, or if you're taking care of somebody who has it. They say otherwise, uh, the, you don't need to be wearing masks. You know, that's up in the air a little bit. If somebody's coughing and sneezing real bad and, you're, and you don't want to be getting it, of course, you want to cover yourself. But the best thing to do is turn around and don't breathe this in and walk away from the person. That's a, like a really, really good technique. Yeah, Dad, I have a quick question. And, and this is, I think, the thing that so many people are t missing out. Um, when we we're, And, we're, folks, we're going to get into a little bit of preparation here tonight. Um, you can only do so much in an hour-long program. But we wanted to, I wanted to talk about diet, Dad, and, and what it means to be healthy. I think preventative medicine is one of the greatest things. And, Dad, I know that a lot of people can't always, uh, you know, um, afford all the great supplements and all that stuff like that. But, Dad... I know for myself personally that cutting sugar out of one's diet is 
probably one of the greatest first steps a person can take is that I've heard it said before, and I know you preach this and, and tell me, but I want to know why it is that sugar lowers the immune system so tremendously. Why is that, Dad? Well, let me, uh, and I'll answer that, but let me first uh, uh, preface it with this. The first thing to do to address your health, particularly if you are an American or you live in another, uh, in another modern society, the first thing to do is to deal with the things that you shouldn't do. A lot of people even hear that, but they don't really believe it. Or if they do believe it, they think it's manipulative statement, and it's not. Let's go with the sugar first, and I'll hit a few others that are very big deal, and they're very key. First of all, sugar uh, has uh, basically, I would say, two major, um, well, let's, let me put it this way, three major effects. First one, sugar causes your white blood cells to be dysfunctional. Your white blood cells have a process that science calls chemotaxis. All it means is that when you have an infection, your body senses that there's an invader. Your body sends out a chemical signal, runs through your circulation, your bloodstream, and in your lymphatic system, and that chemical signal tells your white blood cells, hey, we have a problem, we have a battle that's rearing, that's gearing up and we need help. That causes your white blood cells to come out of storage. They normally uh, store themselves on the, on the walls and the lining of your major blood vessels in your body. And this signal causes them to let go, go into circulation, and they float to the area that they're needed. Now, when they get to this area, a white blood cell will work very hard to surround, to engulf, kind of put itself around a virus or a bacteria. Its movement, it actually moves. It actually sometimes looks like it has little feet, projections out of the white blood cell. It's called chemotaxis. Taxi being movement, like they carry people around a taxi. Chemotaxis, the white blood cell will move to engulf this bacteria or virus. Sugar causes white blood cells to move slow, like they're drugged, and their chemotaxis is very inefficient. I, not too long ago, showed an electron microscope picture of this. The white blood cell beforehand catching up with the bacteria and engulfing it, and when there was sugar in the system, it moved so slow it couldn't catch it. Isn't that interesting? Secondly, sugar is very, very seriously one of the major causes of inflammation in our body. Inflammation in our joints, inflammation in our blood vessels. Uh, most cardiologists nowadays, if they're asked directly, will admit, yes, inflammation is the cause of heart disease, not caused by cholesterol. That's very hard science that shows that. Thirdly, sugar makes your body dump out a lot of the major minerals that you need to do the work that your body needs to do. And part of that work is in the area of your immune system. So, Dad, in a, in a nutshell, because I want to kind of move on to uh, – I'm looking at the time, and I know there's a lot I want to recover. Dad, 
you're a person right now. Give me what is it things that we can immediately cut out in a diet or make changes of doing that can help boost the person's immune system um, to help prevent catching these uh, diseases and viruses and stuff that are going on. What are some simple things that people can do right now, Dad? Okay. First of all, cutting out sugar. Secondly, cutting out fried foods. The inflammation that is caused by fried foods without going into how it happens is very stressful to our body in total. That inflammation causes problems in our body that soaks up energy. Now, I would love to explain this. There's not enough time. It soaks up energy that our body could be using to defend itself against infections. That's a fascinating subject. Maybe sometime we'll we talk about that. But it soaks it up. So getting rid of sugar, getting rid of fried foods, uh, <clears throat> you want to be sure that when it's cold outside that you stay warm. Very quickly, if you're cold, your body shifts energy resources to keep you warm that it could be using in your immune system. So that's very helpful. Drinking plenty of water. The next one is getting a real regular night's sleep. Maybe you normally survive on four to five hours. Okay, get six if you can. If you're a person that needs eight, get the full eight if you can do it. Let's add a couple of things in that are very, very, very important. I just sat through a lecture uh, by a friend of mine. He was giving to a group, and he was reiterating, which I'm aware of, but he was really hitting on the hard points of it. One of the major things to stimulate your uh, immune system is vitamin D3. And a lot of people, most people, most physicians that you go to uh, don't realize how important it is. They'll tell you that you don't really need it. You get enough in your diet. And if you ask them how much, they say, well, three or 400 milligrams a day. Science does not support that at all, not at all. That's old science from back in the 40s and 50s when they didn't really even know how much you needed. I, my, you want to keep a blood level between about 60 and 80 of vitamin D. Mine stays between 70 and 80. I take 10,000 milligrams a day. But you should be taking at least five. So vitamin D is very important. Also, vitamin C is very helpful too. Uh, uh, vitamin C is, is great for your system, uh, great to help uh, many kinds of viruses. And it, you, can, you can easily do 1,000 milligrams every couple hours. If you think you're around people that are sick, Take it, but spread it out over the day because your body doesn't hold it in. It runs through it, so you want to keep it running through your body regularly. 1,000 milligrams every couple hours won't hurt you if you're an adult. Those would be some things to really do, plus to avoid people who are sick or appear to maybe even be getting sick. Amen. And, folks, just one little thing to add on that. And I'm not talking about salvation and all that stuff, but folks, if you look at what God said to eat and not eat back in Leviticus, all those things God said to stay away from, science supports they are bad for you. 
So if you're wondering what type of things I shouldn't eat, go back there in Leviticus and read it. God's not being angry. He's not trying to be mean. He's trying to tell you that they're not good for you. Get cancer, they'll pull you off all the things God says don't eat because they know it's toxic to the body. And that would be just my little additional nugget right there um, from that. Well, Dad, I want to end the show back with the spiritual side of it. We started out, I want to end it, so we, we leave with the most important. But, Dad, right now, physical preparation is something that is important. Now, I do not believe, and I know you do not believe, that any physical preparations is confidence to deliver a believer. It's dangerous thinking, but there is practical things. The Bible says that when the when the wise or the prudent man sees the evil coming, he hides himself, meaning he does something about it. He gets out of the way, and there's common sense things. God gave us a brain to do, and Dad, I, I want to, if you could share, what are some practical things, because I'll just say this, Dad, the other day I was talking to some of my friends, and we're going to have a meeting on it, and we believe big in spiritual preparation, but we came to an agreement that it's stupid not to have, if we have the ability to have some common sense preparations. That's just okay. using our brains that God has given us, not that it's our deliverance, but it's common sense. Dad, talk to us a little bit about what we can do, what people should do to make some common sense preparations for the day and hour we live in, maybe to even give some breathing room to focus on our prayer time to see where the Lord's leading instead of all crisis constantly. Uh, so anything that I'm going to talk about, I, I have prepared uh, uh, you know, documents that have the listing of this information, so I can provide them for you if you have one of your listeners who would like a copy. It's easy for me to do. They're all PDF. But uh, anyway, uh, first of all, the Bible gives many, many references. I'll just list a few, but they talk about, uh, about preparedness and watchfulness and these kind of things. I'll just hit them ber- very briefly. Uh, Proverbs 27:12: a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple person just passes on, doesn't do anything, and they're punished. Ezekiel 33, 1-9 speaks of how the Lord will provide a watchman. And this watchman is to keep an eye. And if he sees danger coming and he warns the people and they don't pay any attention to the warning, think about that. Now, a lot of times people don't pay any attention to good warning. If they don't pay any attention and something happens to them, uh, their blood's on their own head. But if the watchman does not warn the people and something happens to them, then their blood is on his head. In other words, there is justification for watching and preparing and being alert. Matthew twenty four twenty three. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and he wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. Another reason to watch and be prepared, Uh, Luke 21, verse 20 to 21. This is about the destruction of Jerusalem. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, but let not those who are in the countryside go back in, enter her. You see, there's the Lord's telling them to pay attention and to, to watch and, and be alert. Um, so, and we know that the Lord, the Lord had Noah make an ark. 
and, uh, and and the Bible tells us that the Lord will provide all of our needs, but there's nowhere in the scriptures that the Lord encourages a person to be a fool or foolish or careless. It's not in there anywhere. He talks about people who are, but he never encourages people to be that way, to be ignorant. Now, there's a lot of people that are frightened. And you know something? I think there's a good reason to be frightened if, if you don't give any credence to God. You don't, give, you don't allow the Lord to be your guidance. You know, the Bible tells us that when you're ta- we're talking about the last days in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard or entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So what it tells us is that we don't know the future, all of it. I mean, so much, it, it's a bigger picture than we, can, you know, than we can grasp. Now, the Bible also speaks in Luke 21 about men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things that they see coming on the earth. And I've asked myself many times, what is it that would make my heart fail? In other words, I die out of fear. It's a very awesome thought. Obviously, there are things coming like that. And there there are times coming where we will be surrounded by seducing spirits. Um, Anyway, just the point is that there are fearful times coming, but we do not have to be afraid. I would like to preface anything, uh, preface by saying that any plans that you might have for physical preparation, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment, any plans that you might have, it is foolishness to prepare for a future that is so potentially on this earth devastating that you can't even imagine it. It is foolishness to prepare for without first seeking God's wisdom. In prayer, that's when we speak to him, and in reading his word, allowing him to speak to us. Because if you don't have his wisdom, the wisdom of a, you know what, where, when, why, what? It's impossible to really know the right answers. You could prepare for what's needed if you go to the right and everything comes at you from the left. Only the Lord can lead you down the proper path, but he will. Let me jump over to assuming that you are seeking God's will in preparing. I want to talk about some things that are really important. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit them. I'm going to highlight them based on what I understand to be their their order of importance. And that's pretty easy to determine for the first four or five, and then after that it's kind of up for what you think. First of all, Frank, how long can you live without water? Uh, three days, supposedly, maybe a little bit longer. Okay, not real long. How long can you live if you're freezing to death? Well, if it's to death, I guess not too long. <laughs> not too long. Water is usually number one on most preparedness checklists. Warmth. A lot of people put food secondly, but that's not really it. You can live a long time without food because your body has a lot of energy stores that it can tap into. The, the second one is usually warmth, and I realize that doesn't necessarily 
a big, as big a deal in the summertime. But believe it or not, there will be somebody in your family that gets cold even on a hot night when they're sleeping because their metabolism slows down enough that they start to still chill, even though it's maybe 68, 70 degrees outside. So water and warmth. Now, as you talk about each thing that you need for preparedness, you want to ask yourself several questions. Let's say about water. Where will you get water? How are you going to purify it if you need to? How are you going to store it? Uh, what do you have, how do you prepare it for storage? How much will you need? It's a lot of questions to, to be asked there. When you talk about warmth, what's it going to take you to stay warm based a lot on where you live? Uh, how many people are you going to need to help stay warm? What's the best material to use? And also questions there. I'll have one document that asks a lot of questions. And, I, and Frank, I, I'm going to go ahead and send this to you. And if anybody wants I'll a link copy, it. I hope I'll link it on the show, Dad. I'll link it to, in there so you can download it. Okay. The next item on my list is food. Where do you store your food? How much food will you need to store? What kind of food should you store? Will you be staying, this is a big question, in one location? Or will you need to be able to move at will? Or maybe I should say at God's will. How many people are you going to need to plan for? And how are you going to stay uh, healthy by adequate nutrition? All important questions. You need to know about heat, a way to heat food, a way to heat the area that you're, that you're living inside of. Um, are you living in an area where there's very short summers or a place where there's very little winter? Uh, what type of heat will you use? Are you going to have a shelter or are you going to be on the move? My, my wife and I have backpacks that we've had packed for several years now. They're put away. Everything's in them, everything except the food. And the food <clears throat> takes me about 10 minutes to pull together and put in there. But you know something? We, have, we, have, we, we designed these packs. We took months to put them together and then forget about them. I want to trust God, but I don't want to be a fool. So they're there. If the Lord directs us to leave our home, all of our junk behind, we have something put on our back and we go. And, some, and, a, and we've got something to sleep in, we've something to sleep under, a way to make fire, a way to make light, a, light, a way to cook food, uh, a way to stay warm. You know, all these kinds of things are in these things. But we design them thinking that, well, if we leave, we might never come back. Maybe we won't be able to. But I do realize there's not enough food in them to last me forever. There's a lot of things that we will need to rely on the Lord for. Our planning is modest. It was not beyond our, our budget to do. But these, there's a lot to consider. So I'm going I'm to send Frank this list. Uh, you're going to have to think about whether you're, you would think in, in, in preparation. Am I living in a place, say in the city, where if things got really bad, I would need to leave the city. And am I not going to be able to leave, on, leave in a vehicle, or would I maybe have to leave on foot? There's a lot of scenarios I could throw out there. But uh, are you someplace you think you might have to walk? What kind of shoes do you have? Uh, what do you have to protect you from weather, a, a rain poncho? Um, these kind of things. What are you going to sleep on? 
What clothes should you have? Do you need a lot of clothes or a little bit of clothes? What I'm doing is I'm saying there's a lot to consider if you don't prayerfully consider it, then you're making a big mistake. You're you're actually you're actually diving off the diving board without checking if there's any water in the pool. Do you know what I'm saying? You may not hit the bottom real quick, but it's a mistake. It's a mistake without seeking God's will for you. Because there will be some people that the Lord says, I will supply all of your needs. Go do what I'm telling you. And you won't do any preparation physically for your sustenance or for your shelter or anything. There will be people that that's where he leads them. There will be, I promise you. And you might be one of them if you are willing to be led wherever he wants you to go. Um, The preparation goes on to um, uh, transportation. Fuel, electricity. What if there's no electricity? Um, I, let me let me switch over and and give you what I consider what I have called some laws of survival. And I have six of them listed here. Um, it, it preparedness uh, slash survival is a mindset as much as anything, really. It's a process of taking your hands off of your stuff in your current life, placing your hands in God's hands. Most people, they they cannot survive a devastating event because they're not able to make this change in the way they think and where they put their trust all of a sudden, they can't make the change all of a sudden. I don't think I could have. You can have the greatest plans in the world, but if you can't execute those plans, if you can't make a decision, God gives you the peace. And Frank, you talked about this earlier. He will give you the peace to be able to decide. You know, give you the wisdom to make the decision. Here's the six laws that I have listed here. Law number one, Without an ongoing, honest, and teachable relationship with God, you cannot possibly know the direction your preparations, your plans should take you. Law number two. This goes <laughs> at least back to the ark uh, and to the cross and crucifixion. This law says wherever the crowd is running, don't join them. <laughs> law number three. You should have a place, or maybe more than one place, that you could go if you need to. Unless the Lord leads you, you know, otherwise to go someplace other than where you have prepared, but someplace you could go to. This is considered very wise at all levels. And this is something you should be praying about before you choose where it is. Law number four. Uh, In many cases, you may be leaving your home, and it could be permanent, or at least for a long time. So planning ahead uh, also means making plans that if you if you do leave, uh, realizing that your good chance you may not be coming back, and allow that thinking to permeate. Um, it also means that if you have to leave your home and you're not sure which way to go, 
having having an, an existing experience with the Lord where you are used to to communicating with Him. So you're comfortable saying, Lord, which way do I go? And you're comfortable listening to His still small voice lead you to go this way or go that. That, that is very, very critical. Law number five. This, uh, remember Lot's wife. No looking back. If the Lord leads you away from where you are in difficult times, you go. And you survive by whatever means he provides you, including those means that you've already made preparation for. Uh, you know, having a clear mind is important. But when you have a relationship with God, you can think more clearly and calmly. Law number six, and this is an important one too, people act very foolish when they're under stress, but prayerfully asking the Lord to guide you will give you the peace of mind to not do that. This is the law. Do not tip your hand or reveal your plans to just anyone. You know, there's an age-old tendency for many people to talk too much. Uh, do not, don't tell people that you don't know what you don't need to tell them. Uh, remember, the scripture tells us about not casting our pearls before swine. Don't, don't cast your prayerful plans before people who may be there to hurt you or steal from you. It's one of the big laws of survival. Don't tip your hat. And this is the one that I'd like to end with on the laws. This is like law seven, which is maybe the perfect one. <laughs> it says, never sacrifice people. I mean, people that are with you or people that seem to be against you. Never sacrifice, or not against you, but people that you don't know. Never sacrifice people for supplies or stuff. And I, I wasn't always of this mindset, but the more I searched the Lord's, uh, searched the scriptures and his word on this matter, the more I believe don't kill somebody just because they want some of your food. Don't, don't hurt people in anger. Of course, we can only not do that if we are asking the Lord and seeking him to give us peace. Don't. You know, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. He says, I'll take out vengeance on people that do you wrong. And what he's saying also there, if you will read it and pray about it, you don't do it because you don't know how to do it right. You will do it wrongfully because you will be filled with that human tendency to anger mixed with fear, with lack of any patience and calm mind. He says, I'll take care of that. So the more I, I'm not saying I wouldn't defend my family on somebody that clearly says, I want to hurt you or I want to kill you. No, I would defend my family. But I don't want to sacrifice human life just because over a bite to eat. I'd rather give it to somebody than, than to kill them. Am I making sense, Frank? I agree. I agree, Dad. And that's that's an important thing. Is is um, you know, when it becomes about everything that Jesus did was 
was for us. He he could have been selfish and called down 10,000 angels just to save a moment of pain. Or yes, exactly. You know, the hardest pain ever, any person ever suffered, according to the Word of God. He was beaten worse than any man, and yet he still did it. So I, I think you're right, Dad. There's value in other people's lives. Yeah. God thought there was value in there, so much that he sent his only begotten son. You know, I'd like to say that God's program, God's program, the program that created this world and has uh, has patiently waited for so very long to clean it all up, so very long that many people say, why doesn't he just stop all this craziness? Why doesn't he just stop this, put an end to it? What does he let all this pain and suffering go on for? His his plan, his plan had to account for every soul from the first angel he created, including Satan. It has to account for everybody from Satan right on down to the very last soul that, that, that comes into existence on this planet. And his plan having to take all of those into consideration and having to carry through with this promise. Oh, my goodness, what a promise that he made that when everything's all wrapped up, there'll be no, long, no, no more sin, no suffering, no pain, no heartache. He made this promise. I mean, it seems like an impossible promise. How is he going to do that? His plan has to account for that, too. So the time that it takes and the number of lives that have to go through the mill, only he understands. But after all, he is the God of heaven and earth in all things, the creator of all things. So patience, staying with him, it's most critical. Amen. Amen. Folks, um, Dad made a few really good points, a lot of good points, but I think the few you really need to understand is, the level of importance when it comes to preparing. Obviously, we're going to close with this, and that's a spiritual preparation, because God may say, don't prepare a thing. I need you to do something else, and you need to listen to that. Um, but also, he gives us brains of common sense, but we got to make sure that we're following what he wants to do. But there's a level of importance. You're right, Dad. Food is way down the list when it comes to water and warmth. And shelter. Folks, you can go a long time without food. Um, most of us carrying around quite a reserve. We can hang out for a while. We'll be fine. And you, know, you can do that. So, but water is essential. It's very easy. Dad, uh, you'll share the list. You can, you can long-term store water so simply, it's not even, it's, anybody can do it. And it just takes the, a few drops of bleach per gallon and it's good to go it's nothing it can last a long time but dad I, I wanted to close with something um, here as we begin to wrap this show up and and that's in Exodus 33 folks um, or excuse me Exodus chapter 12 starting in um, verse uh, 33 and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste for they said we be all dead men and the people took their 
dough before it was leavened. They're kneading, kneading rots, um, kneading trots being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels, silver, jewels of gold, raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the, of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Folks, the children of Israel left absolutely prepared. They had some bread, some food. They took all the gold, the jewels. They had all their stuff. It said they spoiled uh, them, the, the Egyptians. And I hear so many people trying to store up their gold and silver uh, for the last days. Well, it only took three days out of Egypt before they were crying to turn back. You see, when God is not your focus and your provision is your focus, it won't take but a few days into this mess before you'll be whining and crying to come to the first person who will give you food, no matter what their message is. That's why the, it's interesting Amen. with the mark of the beast, um, and there's, I don't even want to get into the whole theology behind that, but it says no man can buy nor sell without the mark, because the devil knows that if he can control the food supply, he can control your belly, which is the majority of people's gods. He can control the decisions that you make in these last days. And that's why prayer and fasting and learning to live on the Lord instead of on the food of this world, not that we don't eat, need it, but those are the things that sustain. Man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God the flip side, though, to that is Joseph. He was preparing by God's wisdom, doing what the Lord wanted. And through those preparations, God saved a nation and the people actually around them. So do you see the difference? If, you're, if all the gold and silver, and I tell people often, if you're looking for silver, go, don't worry, one day it'll be all over the streets. You can just pick it up. They're going to throw it down. If that's your deliverance, don't worry, folks. You don't need to buy any because you can just pick it up when it's worth nothing on the ground. But preparing God's way, spiritually, in his word, seeking him with all of your heart, prayer, fasting, uh, uh, humbling ourselves. And, and not, not just a popcorn prayer a day keeps the devil away or a chapter a day keeps the, the, the devil away. I'm talking about honest, earnest seeking the Lord. God will make the right changes. And then the preparation that you make under the inspiration of God's Spirit are according to the Lord's will and not the flesh that only takes a few days before you are miserable and you are lost. Folks, there will be a lot of fully prepared so-called believers that aren't going to make it. I would like to make a point here. <clears throat> I had meant to earlier and didn't. There are many people that um, that uh, uh, are burdened with a concern of whether it's right or wrong to have stuff, much stuff. There are people who have a good bit of money, and one of the spouses will will think, will think it's great and the other one will think, Man, we don't need to we don't need so much. We should be giving this to the church or giving it to the Lord. I'd like to make a point about wealth because you know, most of my work is I'm a retirement advisor and uh I'm a retired physician assistant, but I'm uh, you know, I retired from there uh 
almost 25 years ago. But uh, I spend my, my days talking to people about money. The question that defines your position is not how much you have, but have you actually have you actually really gone to the Lord prayerfully and surrendered everything that you have to him telling him that Lord whatever you desire me to do with what you have provided me because all good things come from him if it didn't come if he didn't make a way for it then you got it some other way and it's not good but Surrendered it to him so that you are willing to use it however he desires you to. And if you honestly mean that, there's nothing wrong with wealth. Wealth, well, I should say the true metal of a man or a person is not what they have, but who they are when what they have is all taken away from them. Amen. And that's, and that's, Folks, we are not going into the kingdom with a single dollar in our pocket. When that glorious day comes, when the Lord rolls back the sky like a scroll, and we look up and we say, Lo, this is our God. He's come to save us. When that moment hits, folks, all this stuff will be gone, and it will be glorious, and it's so close. You know, folks, right now, this earth, for us as believers, this earth is our hell. Because heaven awaits. But folks, for the unbeliever, this earth is their heaven. Because hell awaits. We have a hope. And God desires us through these last trying hours... To not only be followers, but to be useful servants in spreading the good news that Jesus is coming again. Not stuck away in a hole, buried 20 feet under the ground, but out serving his purpose as he calls. If he tells us then to hide, then we hide. If he tells us to go forth and to share the gospel, we do that. But you're never going to know if you don't listen. And part of listening sometimes is getting into situations that are so big, only God can deliver. And it's at those moments that the ears become extremely opened and the spirit begins to flow freely in the life of believers. Dad, I know you know that. I know you believe that. And I would like to say, folks, my father has been telling me since I was a young kid, even when I didn't care two hoots, that, son, the Lord is coming again. And, Dad, I believe we are at that time you've talked about, grandparents have talked about, we've known about. These are the hours that we've been told forever. It's time now to truly put our faith in God. Dad, thank you for always sharing that with me. And I never forget it. Even when I didn't want to hear it, I still remembered it. And I thank you for that, Dad. Amen. Folks, I have been so blessed to have an earthly father who's loved me. But the truth is, and I remember, Dad, when you told me this one day, You said to me, son, 
even if you have to forsake me, you do it for the Lord. Because we all have an earthly father, or heavenly father, excuse me, that loves us more than anything. It doesn't matter if your family was dysfunctional, if you don't have parents, it doesn't matter. Because the truth is we have a heavenly father who loves us so much. And the Bible says that his son, for the prize that was laid up before him, endured the sufferings of the cross because he thought that we were worth it. And if that's the kind of God we serve, one that's willing to lay his life down because he values us so much as a prize, that's the kind of God I want to serve. And if this little bit of hell is what we have to go through on this earth, knowing that the glory of heaven awaits, folks, it is worth it. Amen. Yes, it is. Dad, I'm going to ask as we close out the remnant call tonight, would you pray for God's peace in this midst of these trying times? Absolutely. Dear Father, uh, we come before you, well, many times, perhaps daily, with agendas on our heart. Lord, uh, we see some of our needs, but it is so common for us not to really see some of the really important needs that we have. We need you. We need you in a personal, close relationship more than we realize. I'm not sure that there's a person on this earth that realizes how much, how very much they need you. But, Father, I am very thankful because I cannot find in your word where you ignore us or don't care about us. All I find is that you love us, that you go to the nth degree, that you you give us all freedom to make the choice we desire, and you promise us that in the end we will get what we most want. If we want you, we will have that relationship with you. If we most want this world, then then you will give it to us because you're that kind of a God. You're not dictatorial. You're generous. Lord, I want to ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit for Frank, myself, but Lord, for all who are listening to this program and the families of those who are listening and perhaps the broken families of those who are listening or their friends. Lord, we need your presence in our lives. That's when we ask for your spirit. That's what we're asking for. Father, I pray for this outpouring of your spirit and that you would prepare each one who is willing to not only go through the hard times ahead, perhaps we're one who will lay down our life early for you, or perhaps we will be alive to see you coming in the clouds of heaven. Whatever it is, Father, fill us with your spirit, with the peace that passeth understanding, as your word tells us, something we can't even understand how it happens, but with that peace that allows us to, to walk in your spirit. Thank you so much, Lord, for these things. Thank you for the program and the remnant call and all who join in to listen, Lord. May they be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, Dad. Folks, I want to share one thing as we as we close. This is a personal thing that only my father and me had the ability to share. And I put on the show that Frank Sr. joined in tonight, not to go in the whole depth of actually he's junior, I'm the third, and Frank Sr. has passed away. So technically, he, you are senior now, Dad, but you're really the junior. Dad, I remember when we were down in Texas um, to go see Frank Sr. or to go to the funeral. And he had left the Lord for years, and we didn't know what his end relationship was, and that's always the biggest fear. And, Dad, you remember we were sitting in that pastor's office, and he was telling us how how your dad would keep calling and asking him, are you sure there's enough room up there for me? Pastor Max. Yep. Yeah. It just brings me to tears because... What God's done in our family's life is nothing short of an absolute miracle. And I'm a full believer, Dad, that God's bringing the whole family home. As I've seen happen too many miracles. And if he can pull Frank Sr. back at the end of his life, he can pull Frank Jr. out of his disaster and he can pull Frank the Third talking right now out of his mess. And Dad, we were all disasters. I can't see that it's possible that anyone could be lost unless they chose to be lost themselves. Yes, yes. That's the I, God. I, 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 he's a God of salvation. I spent most of my life as a as a. Um, with a Christianity of education and in recent years have learned of the Christianity in relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's worlds that are so far apart, you can't even hardly see them both at the same time. They're just different realms. And I pray for everyone listening that, that and I wish for each person that they would discover that godly relationship, that Christianity of relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all the difference. Knowledge, the Christianity of knowledge is not get it. Am I right, Frank? Absolutely, Dad. And that's what turns our lives around, the relationship. You know, Dad, I, I remember being a little kid and Right before your conversion, there was we were going to the dances. I was drinking wine as a little kid. There's always beer in the refrigerator. You know, everything was a party, good good times. You remember, Dad, at, up at Big Bear Lake and walking. You know, um, people home so drunk they couldn't walk from you know the parties at night and 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 as a little kid. And all of a sudden one day, Dad, I remember the beer was gone. And all of a sudden, God, something happened to Dad. He wanted to go to church. And the Lord saved yeah. your life. And then many years later, God did the same for me. Folks, Amen. I'm telling you, God can do the same for you. Dad, I've got to close it down and just want to say thank you so much for coming on tonight. Folks, I'm going to link to the 
papers that Dad is uh, going to share with me onto the program on YouTube. I'll put the links up there. So the link over to our website, the Remnant Call. And I just want to say to everybody, God bless. Keep looking up, as our good friend Dick always says, right, Dad? Keep looking up because it's all coming down. The Lord is coming back soon to take us home. This is Brother Frank and Brother Frank Sr. on the Remnant Call tonight saying good night and shalom.